OTB AM. I was really triggered. We don't want Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. All right, Monday Night Rugby. Gordon Darcy, come on in. Good evening, Gordon. How are you getting on? How are you keeping? Yep, very good, very good. Excited? Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of come around uh, pretty pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's a good, like... There's a lot going on to uh, suddenly um, in, geez, in 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 global rugby, um, and kind of the Six Nations kind of crept up a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit of, with, a, with a bit of surprise, really. So yeah, yeah kind of starting to get excited. Yeah, you're going to uh, Wales for us at the weekend as well. So I'm going to get into all that with you in a minute. But I want to touch on the URC first of all. You were at the RDS on uh, Saturday night. Uh, Leinster beat Cardiff pretty well. Munster held on over in Treviso. Connacht nearly double scores. Uh, win over Zebra and Ulster very dominant against admittedly very poor uh, Stormers. What your big um, takeaways? Obviously, you were at that one on Saturday night. Jump in wherever you want. Your big takeaways from the URC over the weekend? Um, yeah, it was. I think it was a, a it was a round that let the competition down, which has been so good up until this point. Um, you kind of you, you know you're looking at uh, uh, the pick of the games probably was the Munster. Uh, Monster match in in Italy, and it was great to see them uh, continue that kind of progress where they where they were going because it wasn't always uh, they finished strongly, but it wasn't always in uh, in uh, a, cl- a clear shout for them. Um, but I think what was clear for Munster was the the, the settled nature of that team, um, and you can see they're starting to really kind of put those phase plays and things together. Um, and then the the Leinster match, um, like I'm. I was blown away with how poor Cardiff were. Mm. Um, 13 internationals in the starting team and eight versus eight academy uh, players. And um, actually, this is kind of, I'm, I'm writing about this now, this week um, and the impact of uh, coaching. Um, and like, I, to me, Dai Young has to take a huge amount of responsibility there. The way he set them up uh, to come and play or not to play. Um, was just it was it was painful to watch to be Sco- honest. Score, you were uh, you were disgusted because I was watching you afterwards. You were talking about scoreboard management, the damage limitation. Yeah, like you know the body language and everything. I think is the point. The one of the things was Leinster weren't very good. They just put up a cricket score. Um, like the first three tries, you know, came from two of them came from uh, tap penalties, which. You know, they, but Leinster were, weren't able to create the scores in 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 real time, um, and Luke McGrath just had an opportunist try, um, and Cardiff body language, everything just just wasn't there. So, like I think as a as a as a as a, as a team, like I've been very lucky in, in most of the seasons I played in. There's been some sort of level of competitiveness to go for. You're looking at some of those Cardiff players, and they're just showing up to take a wage. Um, they, this is an obligation they have to fill, and they and they played like that on uh, on Saturday night, um, and I think that reflects poorly on the coaching, if I'm honest, um, because sometimes co- like coaching is not just about the tactics; it's also about motivating your players and getting them together. Like there was, it was, it was, you know, Jamie said it. Um, Leinster have had harder um, training sessions, and I think that is a fair reflection. 
hard in that context maybe to answer the next question but there's been a lot of focus obviously since Joy Carberry's omission on uh, the pretenders and uh, suddenly you sort of think like the field is a little bit maybe more open than it was before uh, including even though he's not clearly in the Ireland squad but on, on Harry Byrne um, I think you might have been talking about his, his game management how did uh, how did he go? Yeah, I thought he went all right. Um, you know, he was off at what 55, 60 minutes. Um in the in the game, he did exactly what you wanted him to do. Execution probably not there. Um, that's probably a, a reflection on the amount of game time he's had. But um when he needed to turn the turn the pack, when he needed to uh when he kicked for the corners, he did it, he did it at the right times. Um it, Pushed a few passes because there was space rather than building the the phase play into the space where there, I suppose there, there were less numbers. He went for the kind of the big skip pass over the over the top, the two, three players, which looks good, but ultimately brings the defense back into it. So I would say in, in a game that was very, very loose and saying I think he did as well as he probably could could do six, seven out of ten. So reasonably happy with it, but like really not challenged as a, you know, a, from a game management uh, uh, perspective, uh, like on the Grand Murray go round of who the who the next one in line was, he was definitely it at some point or another. And he's obviously been beset by uh, injuries as well over the last one, which I'm sure hasn't helped. But to be a good game manager, manager obviously you need game time. I'm sure he himself is probably frustrated that he's been slightly leapfrogged by the brother. And when Johnny's back, he's in. Like it's not a it's a hard balance, I think, for everybody to get right, isn't it? To try and build up that bank of experience when he can't get that time at 10. Yeah, well, like, the thing is, it's, it's. I think there's a, a commodity that's kind of becoming more and more valuable in rugby in is, and that's durability. And you look at um, some of the players that have, like, you know, for all of, you, know, you look at Johnny Sexton, one of the things you, you can't say about him, you can definitely, sorry, you can, can say about him is he's durable. You know, playing for that amount of seasons, Keane Healy, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be that level of durability in, in, um, in players um, now that could be a reflection on the game or you know whatever it is or players just genuinely unlucky but Harry Byrne is you know he needs to put a six month block together um, to try and kind of uh, show what he can do because the stuff he's naturally good at which is um, that second line uh, uh, you know that Leinster and Ireland do an awful lot where you know the either the forwards or somebody is pivoting the ball back to them. Um, he's very good at hiding his movement and he's very good at picking the right options. Um, so he is really almost made for the way that Ireland play. But there's obviously massive concerns about whether he can uh, whether he can uh, string game string game string games together. Um, and then like what I you know and I've been reasonably um, critical of uh, Jack Crowley. Then the actual fundamentals, talent gets you to the uh, shop window and then the fundamentals are the bit that you're really squeezed on. Um, and his game management, you know, is is is, is questionable as well. Mm. Uh, talk to us, just the last one on the URC, Gordon, just about uh, Ulster. I mentioned uh, had a bit of a blowout themselves against the Stormers on Friday night. And again, a very poor um, Stormers there. But it just struck me just in the context of everything that's gone on for Ulster over the last few months and the struggles that they've had and that ability to get really close to the line and then ultimately not get over it. Like the La Rochelle game, obviously, was a good case in point is that of, of that. Um, and there's a bit of, admittedly, a bit of cri- uh, crystal ball gazing here. But um, is a result like that, it ca- can they use that to try and... Um, help them turn a corner, turn a season, or is that kind of overstating it? Yeah, there seemed to be, again, body language, you can kind of look at that, and there was a bit of, 
you know, there seemed to be a bit of energy around the place and guys who've been very noticeably quiet starting to uh, play like it, I suppose it matters. I think that I, I used that kind of phrase on the show a couple of weeks ago when you were when we were talking about it. It's like there's nobody playing like it really matters. Um, you look at Hume; he's he seemed to have a bit more about him and looked looked to carry with a bit of intent. And Mike Lowry, so kind of key players started playing um, a little bit better for them um, because I think that was probably one of the points of difference between say Leinster and um, Cardiff. Their Leinster's key players all showed up and played, and you know the four or five of them that did that were the were the difference uh, in the match. And I think for Ulster, some of their key players are, you know, whatever's happened behind the scenes are starting to are starting to front up a little bit. Mm. Um, let's get into the Six Nations stuff. So we've a good couple of months ahead of us, and um, the Cardiff your Cardiff Bounders head at the top, uh, Ireland, um, Wales Saturday afternoon. What's your uh, what's your record? You know, off the top of your head, what's your record at the Millennium for Ireland? I should say. Ah, uh, I have not a clue. Um, I know we won in 09. <laughs> well, you, um, you, you played four times there for Ireland. Four times. Okay, I, I'm going to say three out of four. Three out of four. Bang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. There you go. Really good. Uh, really it would have been four out of four if Mike Phillips hadn't cheated. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With the uh, the lineup, was it? Yeah, true, true. The quick, the quick throw in, but you can't use the ball when it's been touched by somebody else. Yeah, yeah. and the ref wouldn't uh, wouldn't come back and uh, have a look at it. it. It was a time as well where we were, um, geez, we were in a great vein at that time of actually winning over there. It was like it was nearly a given when you'd head over that that we'd get the um, get the. Yeah, result. but worryingly, they had a very good record in in Ireland as well. Yeah, that is true. That is true. That is true. The unmentioned part of that. Um, it's it's such a unique venue. I'm interested to get your thoughts on like certainly covering games there. The proximity of of the stadium and the tightness of the town is unlike any of the other. Edinburgh compa- compares slightly, but at the same time, not really. It's just that sort of tightness of the whole thing. Would you have any have had any sense of that as a player, or was it did those factors sort of mean anything? Oh yeah, like sure, you know, you, the hotel you're staying in is pretty much. Uh, on the equivalent to uh, our Grafton Street, mm. and you're like you could you know a good driver, and you'd probably hit the stadium. Yeah. So it's so close, and the like the, the fans are absolutely fantastic, um, and it's right it's right from when you arrive, um, because outside the hotel there's obviously that big thing in the culture about getting the uh, autograph signed and match program signs, a big collection piece around that, and uh, they're there like pretty much holding vigil outside the hotel for as long as you're there trying to, you know, get photographs and I say all, all the paraphernalia signed. The Welsh fans. Um, right? Welsh fans. Yeah. Right. Um, it's real. Yeah, there's a huge thing around uh, getting match programs and collectible things signed. Like there's a real anorak uh, piece to it. Right. Oh. Um, so they, and that's and that's all there. And then like it's such a like you, you get enveloped into, you get really caught up into it, which I, which I do think is is lovely, and it is a phenomenal stadium. Mm. Um, so I've been um, like now at this stage, and been on both sides of it, been out on the on the turf, and then up in the up in the uh, up in the boxes and things, and it's a brilliant stadium. Um, I'm not sure is the stadium is it is it open or closed roof? I don't know, actually, good question. Yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully it is open because it's. It's horrible to play in it when the roof is closed um, because, sorry, there's two things. One, it, it amplifies the atmosphere. So um, everything gets ramped up and everything gets intensified, which is really enjoyable. 
but the sweat and the moisture in the air just makes it takes a little bit away from the ball um, and almost kind of takes away from the what you're doing. It makes the ball very, very hard to to to, to play with. Um, but yeah, it's a it's it is it is a great stadium. Yeah, it's always felt like that. We we use so many uh, uh, pointless cliches in sport, uh, admittedly, but it has always had that sort of cauldron feel to it, like that. You know, the roof is shut or whatever, and it's it's uh, like everybody get lo- gets locked in the room. Uh, Warren Gatland, we need to talk about him. He was there for the vast majority. He missed, by my reckoning, your first um, Ireland game in uh, at the Millennium, but he was there for all the ones after that. Twenty five years, uh, Gordon, like uh, coaching at the top level since his Connacht Ireland days, and we've obviously got a sort of a slightly odd relationship with Warren. I think at this side of the water but you do have to take your hat off to somebody to survive in such a cutthroat environment for that period of time yeah and like it's not by chance either I think that's the thing you have to um, really appreciate Um, and it shows um, how valuable it is to know people I think coaching like you can buy uh, technical expertise, or as in, you can go to the market, you can get uh, technical expertise. He's done that with um, you know Alex King coming in, um, but for him, it's about getting the person in the player ready to play a match, and he's gotten that right time and time and time again. Um, and I think it's a it's an incredible attribute, but it also just shows that that it 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 it, it is more than just setting teams up technically. Um, and that level of outperformance that he can get. And I think that is, and that's something, they'll be looking for the bounce off this this weekend. You look at the squad he's picked, there's some players in form, a couple of the Ospreys lads coming in in form. Mm. Um, he's picked some big, uh, some big young uh, centre for Cardiff, um, big fella, six foot six in the centre. So like he's going to put these guys together and lay down a a mental challenge for them, not a physical one. It'll it'll be in part physical, but he will be challenged them mentally. Going, what does it ma- what does it mean to you? And that type of approach is where Gatland has been fantastic over that twenty five year period. Yeah, I see Clive Woodward has backed them to do it as well. It'd be so typical of a Warren Gatland team to go out and just upset the form book straight away and, uh, and get it done against Ireland at the weekend. Um, talk to us about the Irish midfield, Gordon, will you? Just like the, it's such an interesting mix there at the minute and like Bundy Aki not happening, obviously, for him for various reasons. It seems iconic at the minute. You have Henshaw injured, you have Osborne pulling up trees, you have uh, Ringrose in the form of his life. What's that Ireland starting midfield look like on Saturday? Oh, it's... For me, and I said it um, last week, there's no there's no two ways about it. It's Osborne Ringrose. You can't not like if you're good enough and to 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 use a Warren Gatlinism. If you're good enough, you're old enough. Mm. Um, if you're picking on you're picking on form. Obviously, you've got Bundy who can who does what he does, and McCluskey does what he does. But like Jamie Osborne deserves his spot just purely on his last two rounds of matches. Yeah, uh, and Ringrose like. Um, it's a lovely thing to be to play about as somebody when you when you say about a player when you thought he had reached his ceiling, which was albeit a very very high ceiling, um, he's just smashed through that and he's just playing beautiful rugby at the moment. Having said all of that, like I mean, Farrell and Schmidt before him had obviously a, a liking for Aki in that position, the experience that maybe something slightly differently brings. Um, I don't know. He obviously isn't that um, affected in terms of his thinking about who would be in the team by the fact that he hasn't been playing. Uh, for Connacht, but unlikely, you feel. Yeah, I, I just can't. I, I, I don't see a compelling reason to not have Osborne there. I suppose that's the bit I'm kind of focusing on. Like you looked at what he did. If you're looking, would say, you know, obviously Bundy brings the very directness, and he's a good uh, ball player as well. 
Osborne brings that as brings both of those attributes as well. Very good in traffic, like, uh, you know, arguably does it in a in a more sustainable way because he's not looking to smash through people. He's looking for soft shoulders and he's looking to be um, looking to be, I suppose, you know, use use his footwork to get over the over the gain line. And even the way that Ireland have played, there is an awful lot more um, pivot or playing playmaking in that twelve position, which. You know, I think will will suit Osborne um a, a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's, and that's and that's that's the kind of bit I'm kind of looking at. Where's the weakness in his game, or where's the bit that he doesn't deserve his shot? Yeah, he looks absolutely incredible. Um, a close the, thing, the bit, the thing that is like you've got it, there's certain players are starting to force their way, are starting to put their hand up just purely based on form, and if you, we're not th- we're not talking about a World Cup, but if you are as a coach. He is without doubt thinking about a World Cup. If this guy is a potential 12-13 utility player in the back, he needs game time and he needs it. And there isn't giving him gay time in the warm-up matches. That's not that's not it. If he deserves his time and he's a genuine um option, he needs to be he needs to get it. Um if you were picking a like we're back into the crystal ball uh, area now, I appreciate that. If you were picking a, a team tomorrow, if everybody was fit and it was a World Cup match, who would you go for in midfield? Ah, like I think, and that's uh, and that's really unfair because you <laughs> take you forget about Robbie Henshaw, and you know eat, eat, eating bread is soon is soon forgotten. I think I was only looking. I was actually only doing this. I was only looking at some of uh, Robbie's uh, kind of big play moments um, because because <laughs> you know when he's out of sight, out of out of, out of mind, mm-hmm. it would be very hard not to start a fully fit um, Gary Ringrose. And uh, Robbie Henshaw, um, but having said that, it would be very, it will, it will get close. But I think one of the things that those two bring is just that extra little bit of um, experience. And every time there's been any questions asked of Henshaw, he's always upped his game. So and I think this is the bit that I'd say Andy Farrell will be looking for and will be excited about in this crystal ball scenario. If he, if he starts Osborne, um, that when Henshaw comes back. There will become a, a tete-a-tete. He will have to hit the ground running. He will have to, in theory, he'll get an opportunity in a big game and he'll have to deliver. And that's what all the coaches will want. Who do you think the two, uh, the replacement uh, halfbacks will be? So assuming Sexton is fit and gets named, who are the, um, who's the replacement out half and replacement scrum half? It's really, yeah, it's, it's well, it's hard, um, you know, because you've, you've, there was a, a pecking order, I suppose, established in, um, in Munster, with uh, Craig Casey starting the first uh, the games over um, Connor, um, and obviously you know Connor not being involved in the first uh, match day twenty three, um, I think we'll give a really good insight into the coaching ticket of what way they're setting up. You know, Connor obviously gives you the the closing out game, um, and obviously brings it brings a huge amount of physicality to it. And Casey is kind of a, a like for like. Um, my my good is it will be Casey. Um and uh, on the bench, I think um, I don't know who was saying it, but he really likes clutch. I can't see past Ross Byrne if there's a penalty that needs to be nailed in the final twenty minutes, or if there's a kick that needs to go, you know, six meters from the from the from the try line. It's hard hard to see past uh, Ross Byrne, and I think on form he's been pretty good. So um, Crowley's been playing 12 and he's been playing 15 so I think that may go against him 
Um, it's just funny that you mentioned that. It might have been Johnny Watterson. I could be wrong. It might have been somebody else in the Irish Times had written a piece a couple of weeks ago saying that it was the first time I'd seen the headline. It was before the squad had been named and Carbine left been left out. It might have been about a week before that, saying it was like hailing Ross Byrne as the uh, you know um, the the incumbent behind Sexton or whatever. It's amazing how our psyche has just we've all moved into this space now where it's like well we just sort of. You know the way the news cycle sort of moves past the Carberry stuff and it's just accepted that. As you say, look, if he's there for alone for his boot, um, he, he's a lot more to his game, but if he's there alone for his boot, it's World Cup, uh, it's World Cup standard. Well, I think I think Andy Farrell has been, has been fair. And I think as a player, like, I, like I've, I've been dropped countless times in my career. Some of them maybe fairly, so sorry, some of them maybe unfairly, um, even, you know, uh, but some of them, Definitely deserved it. Now, one of them is by Joe. One of them is by Decky. I didn't like the rationale that the coaches used, but I couldn't argue with it. Mm. So if a coach is being fair and honest with you, you have to decide what you do off the back of that. So Carberry hasn't been at the standard that he sets for himself. Um, and I'm sure Andy Farrell has explained that to him as they're going, you need to get back to the standard that I and you know are capable of. But equally, he's set that challenge to Ross Byrne. So he, he's being fair to Ross as well. And I think that's great to see because it was, and I probably said this as well, you know, when he was finished, when he was being overlooked post that English mauling in uh, 2019, there was plenty of people saying, you know, just take a payday. You know, your Irish career is done. And he didn't. He stayed. He fought. He gets big game with Leinster and um, has gotten, you know, match winning opportunities with Ireland now. So he's he's done the hard work and he and he gets it. When you say you uh, didn't agree with the feedback that was coming from the coaches, sorry, you didn't like it. Did you disagree yeah. with it? No. Right. So it was just kind of it was quite an odd conversation I had with Joe Schmidt one day, and it was like, "Oh, listen, you know, you're not you're not in the match day twenty three. Or you sorry, you're not in the, you're on the bench." And I was like, "Okay, why?" He said, oh, "You're not playing particularly well." And I said, "Okay, who's starting?" He said, "Who was starting?" By the way, I'm not going to tell you who who was starting. It's irrelevant. Um, and I said, "Well, I'm still probably playing better than they are." And he said, "Yeah, but they're 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 playing closer to hundred percent than you are." And I was like, "Oh, that's you know that stings." Um, and was there kind of going, you know, sorry, I just kind of said like, oh, well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I still reckon I'm better than them. He said, yeah, I wouldn't, he said, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I was like, okay, well, why am I not starting? He said, well, they're playing closer to hundred percent. I was like, okay, sure. So I know also the two young lads that were picked ahead of me, he was saying to them, show me that lads over the hill and uh, I'll pick you again. So he's creating that environment for healthy, uh, healthy competition, you know, and that was a rocket up my arse that I needed. And I got to make a few adjustments, come back and I hit actually a pretty good uh, run of form. And that team benefits from it, Joe's, you know, pull the strings in behind and yeah. I've uh, I got my finger in my arse. He's sitting back looking like a genius. He's like, ah, yeah, exactly. brilliant thing I did. Look, look at this but that's, guy. But, look the thing is, but, but that's the bit that, and this is like, you swing it back to Warren Gatlin and that's what he's capable of with players. And, you know, he's taken the captaincy. He's not giving it, not not laying on the se- uh, sentimentality of it. Alan Wynne-Jones is in the squad, but he's gone with Ken Owens. You know, he's looking at guys like Tabiric and he's going to give young lads their chance and give them their head and he's going to set them up up here to play and to and to play at home. Did he sit down with you afterwards to give you anything more specific in terms of what how to get to that 100% or was he just like, because I always assumed that it was like, here's A, B, C and D, you go and work on this stuff or was it as loose as that? It's It kind of is as loose, loose as that and I think 
you've got to know, like some people, it is a specific thing. It might be fitness. You might be overweight. It might be something, but sometimes you're just not there. Mm. Like you play for 20 years, you know, 17 years, 17, 18 uh, years, you know, there are natural ebbs and flows in it. And sometimes when you're in that uh, environment, you don't see the wood from the trees and actually take somebody to take you aside and go, you know, you, you, you're you're probably not going as as hard or as good as you. And then you're like, oh, my God. And when they point it out to you. So that's one of the things I kind of would have picked up with Enda McNulty from working with him years and years ago is that you've got to do a bit of reflection when things are going well, as well as when things aren't going well. So it's trying to be preemptive of, you know, any potential drop in form or something like that. So you're kind of always trying to be be ahead of things. Um You've uh, you have ruined my evening after the show. Obviously, I, it's bad etiquette too. I can't ask you who the players were, so you've, I'm going to have to start googling now after the show this evening just to uh, put my mind at rest about that one. <laughs> about who the players were that came in. Um, before we let you away, what's your give me give me your sense of what you think uh, will absolutely hold you to this? We'll be coming back to you in eight weeks' time or uh, seven weeks' time to um, compare and contrast. What's the table going to look like at the end? What's the table? Yeah. Oh, cracky. Um. Like it's throw a throw a piece of string around Ireland, France, England, even England, right? Yeah, I think you got to remember, like England, look at the resources they have in their in their in their in the depth. Like they lose how many players have they lost? Bum bum bum. And then you look at the players that are coming in. You're like, oh right, I'd forgotten he wasn't even in the original squad. Mm. You know, the you, you've got you know maybe two or three deep in nearly every position, so they do have that and. He, you know, Borthwick's going to play a very English style of rugby. It's going to be, yeah, they, they, like they are traveling over here, but like the crowds are back. The statistics usually point 75% uh, in favor of the home team. Um, and, you know, I don't see anybody doing a Grand Slam this year. Um, I don't see us doing a Grand Slam. I think we're, we'll be, we, I I don't think we will we will win. And, and I, I kind of, a little bit, I kind of hope we don't win. Right. five games in a, in a row because we need to start um, learning a little bit about uh, how teams are, are unpicking us if we have bigger ambitions yeah no, that's fair uh, fair point Gordon thanks William enjoy the trip over great thanks William thanks a lot Gordon Darcy there and Rugby and Off the Ball is with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team we all belong to the team of us Monday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team we all belong to the team of us LTB AM I was really triggered we don't want Johnny Sexton having any part of any Netflix curse ahead of the World Cup OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app